This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 98. Michael DeShallot on Jumping In. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Jason Lynette here back once again with session number 98. Number 100 is uh, coming around the corner rather, rather quickly here and excited to have a good friend on the program that honestly I've been meaning to have on here for quite some time. I've known Michael DeShallot for a little while now, first connecting at the NGH convention, spending some good quality time over at HypnoThoughts Live and then uh, keeping the bromance live on Facebook and online as well. And uh, what I'd share with you, there are some themes you're about to hear in this conversation as we kind of cover several themes here. We're going to talk about making that transition from a full-time career into something that's a little out of the ordinary. And uh, I think for the first time ever, actually getting into the family dynamic as there he was explaining to his wife maybe 16 years ago, uh, hey, I'm going to go do this hypnosis thing. And honestly, I have a very similar story along a similar time frame as well of just the, hey, I'm going to go do this. And just learning to become that person of action. There's a theme that Michael shares in the midst of this conversation that I really want to highlight, that I really want you to hear because it is outstanding. As he was there in a real estate style business at one point, and the phrase was, if you're in your office, you're not making money. Now, of course, those of us that are actively seeing clients, well, I'm here recording this program just before my uh, afternoon client is about to get here. And yes, I am going to be in my office today. And yes, I am earning money. However, when we talk about the business side of doing things, you know, he shares the anecdote that the advice was given, oh, go out and play a lot of golf. You'll meet a lot of people. And Though he wasn't a golfer, Michael found other mechanisms. And it's the same mechanism that I would often teach of inside of the business trainings that I do. That, you know, to borrow the phrase from the, the puppet-based musical Avenue Q, there's a song called, There is Life Outside Your Apartment. And there's so many incredible things we can do online. I mean, I just hosted a webinar a week ago with 535 people signed up. That's more people than attend some hypnosis conventions. And that's just the active numbers. That's not counting the people who still haven't interacted with the replay. It has never been easier to position yourself in front of a bigger audience. However, if your goal is to build that local business, whether you're doing shows or seeing clients, the efforts that you can do to get out of your office and be seen, to talk about what you do, to communicate your hypnotic message, to begin to share with people this ability that you have and the results that they can have as they work with you. So again, it's where to hole up in a dark room playing on your laptop, your desktop computer, uh, refreshing your email 10,000 times a day and checking Facebook 100 times. These things are within their own place. But again, it's that mindset of spreading that awareness of what you do, where right out of Michael's first stage hypnosis training, he called up an agent and said, hey, I do this thing now. And you're going to hear the incredible story of the show that almost derailed it all, but then brought it all back full circle. 
stick around to the end of this presentation, this conversation, because we'll spend a few moments talking about the upcoming Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference. It's a three-day stage hypnosis-only training and conference event happening in Las Vegas in March 2017. You can learn more by going to stagehypnosisseminar.com forward slash conference. So let's jump right into the conversation. Let's use the phrase once again. This is Work Smart Hypnosis, session number 98. Michael DeShallot on Jumping In. Well, um, it, it's a, a long story. I'll make it as short as, short as possible. I got started, um, I was a magician at the time, and I had just purchased a brand new illusion, about five grand, and I just picked it up from Air Cargo, and I had it in the back of the truck. I pulled into my driveway. I called my wife, Billy, uh, who you'll all meet at the conference. And I said, uh, hey, help me unload this thing. While I was waiting for her to come out, I went to the mailbox, and there was a magic magazine in the mailbox. So I opened it up, started looking at the ads, because that's what magicians do. We look at the ads, pictures, you know. So I saw an ad in there. It was a full-page ad right in the center of the magazine, and it said, magicians. And I went, ooh, it's, that's me. Are you tired of carrying those heavy props? <laughs> Turned around and looked at the truck and went, yep. Would you like to walk into a show carrying nothing but a briefcase? Yep. Uh, would you like to travel all over and have, uh, have the client pay for your travel? I'm like, heck yeah. So you can learn all the secrets of stage hypnotism. Orman McGill, Jerry Valley, Tommy V, and a bunch of other instructors will teach it all to you in a one-week course in Las Vegas. So my wife came out, long story short, and I said, hey, honey, look. I showed her the ad. I said, I could be a stage hypnotist. And, uh, and I sort of covered my mouth and said, it only costs, you know, and um, she said, well, that wouldn't be the first, you know, that you paid for something silly. I took that as a yes, <laughs> signed up for the class. Uh, so, yeah, I think at the time it was about $2,000 or something, and I had just spent $5,000 on an illusion. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, hey, why not? And I uh, went to the class, and the rest was history, and that's how I got started in stage hypnosis, and then that turned into clinical, and, and here we are about 16 years later. I love it. I love it. Let, let's elaborate on that moment, though, because it's something that – I've heard this as someone who teaches trainings, as even some of the products that I've offered over the years as well. Um, this place of, you know, the the others in our life, as it were, how we build that interaction. Though I imagine at that point you were already working as a magician, right? Yeah, I was so doing that full time. You were already doing something that was a little out of the ordinary, to say it politely. Yeah, self-employed. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So to add on one more slightly out of the ordinary thing was a little bit more reasonable. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, those folks that are coming in and perhaps they've got the, quote, more traditional nine to five, um, just that dynamic. Uh, what, and this is going to go personal really quickly and wonderfully. Uh, what would you say it is in terms of that dynamic, in terms of, you know, the relationships in our life of taking that step and doing something brand new? Well, you know, it's it's scary at first. Um, I, I had a smoother transition than that, though. I, I basically uh, I had a real job out of college. I ran the uh, the appeals desk at the clerk of Superior Court. Uh, 
Um, during that time, I actually transitioned. I went over to the sheriff's department. I became a corrections officer. Didn't like that. Uh, I was paroled for bad behavior. Uh, and uh, no, actually, I wasn't fired. I did leave after about six months. I decided that wasn't that wasn't my calling. So I went back to the courthouse and then, uh, you know, worked the appeals desk for about five years. And my dad at the time was uh, in the mortgage business. And I just I was a supervisor at the courthouse and I was managing a team of, uh, you know, three people uh, and myself being the fourth person on the team. And we were just overworked and underpaid. And there was a there was a ceiling on how much money I could make. Mm -hmm. And I saw my dad doing really well in the mortgage business. And so uh, I, I got involved and switched over to that, which is sort of a combination of being employed by somebody, but really self-employed. Right. You know, the whole the whole mind over mattress theory. If you don't get out of bed, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> And, I've uh, heard so, that industry so, often re referred to as, <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like a bartender or a waitress. Exactly. They're going to exactly. pay you, but you really get paid if you show up and do the work. Yeah. And, and I learned quickly in that business, my, my very first uh, boss in that business, you know, he told me, he said, you know, if you're in the office, you're probably not working. And he said, so go out there, beat the streets, round up the clients, you know, and he goes, quite honestly, I like to golf. If you can make all of your money on the golf course, buy a set of clubs, buy a really good set of clubs. Well, I don't golf, but uh, basically, you know, that's I took his advice to heart and I, I never really went into the office only when, you know, I had an appointment there or had to see my loan processor or something. Yeah. And that, so that is probably the best taste. way I've ever heard that phrase. What was that quote again? That if you're in your office, if you're in your office, you're not working. Beautiful. And, uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's it really is. You got to get out of the office. And, you know, I, I over over time, I worked smarter at that. And now I don't leave my office unless I have an appointment, um, which doesn't mean I'm not working in my office. I'm working in my office to set appointments so I can get out of my office. Right. And so that's my, my goal now is to get out of my office. No, because I'd share, I meet so many people that are sort of in these early stages of their hypnosis career, whether they're trying to be the stage hypnotist or the, or the hypnotherapist. And it's where we can hole up in our offices and play with all these really cool gadgets that are at our disposal to try and, you know, drum up the search engine juice, as it were, yet to really get out there and be seen to get out there and the equivalent of, um, you know, the equivalent of actually the golfing would be getting out and giving presentations, going to networking events, getting people to know who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So then move us forward then. Uh, so you took the training. What, what came next? Well, um, having already had a little bit of uh, road time as a magician, as it, as it were, I, when I got back, well, when I was at the training, I had already programmed my show. I had already written my show and programmed my show because I, I knew how to really write a good show and how to program a good show with all the elements of, you know, a, a snazzy opener, a good solid closer, you know, and some peaks and valleys in between. So I wrote the show and with Orman McGill's help, um, you know, kind of went through it like I would program a magic show because Orman was a magician too. And so he actually kind of took me under his wing right during the training. We, we wrote the show and programmed it. So when I got back to Tucson, my hometown, I was ready to do a show. And just, you know, short of maybe getting some music picked and all that. So I immediately called an agent friend of mine 
who wasn't booking me for a whole lot of shows, but you know, kept me kept me busy some of the time. So I called him and I said, "Hey, I'm doing hip shows now," and he goes, "Okay, uh, I'll keep that in mind." And and that was the conversation. He called me a week later and he said, "All right, I've got a show for you. It's at a uh, sorority at the University of Arizona." And I said, "Okay, great." And I when's the show? He goes, "Next week." Nice. So so I had to <laughs> scramble to finish picking all my music and did that first show two weeks after about about two weeks after I got out of the training, two to three weeks after I got out of the training. So then what was that like just jumping in right away and putting that information to use? Well, it was uh, it was a little scary. Um, you know, fortunately, I had, you know, experience of being on stage. So I wasn't shy about talking in front of people and presenting myself and all that. Um, it was it, the story. Actually, it's it's probably my first horror story of my first hypnosis show um, gone wrong. I, I went there. My agent also was a DJ, too, and he said, I'm going to run sound for you. And I said, well, I use a remote control device. I don't really need your help. And he goes, no, I'm going to run sound for you. See, and I, <laughs> I figured it out because it was 100 sorority girls are going to be there, and he wanted to watch. So uh, my dad was in the back of the room. He was going to run video, and which was, which was a mistake. I mean, I love the guy, but he has no technical abilities at all whatsoever and forgot to press record. Oh. So we never got the show, but it was, it was still a funny show. So, so I, I, read, I read Jerry's book, uh, Jerry Valley's book. I, I did a classic Jerry Valley induction. And let me tell you, when I got through that induction, I had you know, 12 girls that rushed up to on the stage to volunteer. When I finished the induction, I did it a la Jerry Valley with all the flash and pizzazz of David Copperfield. I even made the hand gesture as I got down to the count of zero and said, sleep. <laughs> and it looks so cool. My agent's going, wow, this guy is a badass. And I'm thinking to myself, I am a badass. If we could say badass on the air. We can. And uh, <laughs> so, so then what happened I forgot to mention that if they hear any sounds other than the sound of my voice or the music I'm playing, it won't disturb them, distract them, or bother them. And if you feel like you're coming out of hypnosis, don't just go back to the audience. Let me properly excuse you. Forgot those two little minor details. Oh, yeah. So kind I said, of <laughs> kind of important. I said, sleep, and all their heads dropped, and I'm going, this stuff really works. <laughs> and right when I right when I looked at it, the audience, a girl about halfway back hiccuped. And then three girls giggled, and then the room giggled, mm -hmm. and then all 12 volunteers opened their eyes, got up out of their chairs, and went back to their seats. Ooh. Yeah, and so fortunately, now this really is the answer to your question, how was that transition? Fortunately, I had some time on the stage, so I didn't panic. Um, at least externally, I did not. Internally, I did. And I thought to myself, okay, how am I going to save this? So I looked out at the audience and I said, ladies, what you just witnessed was how easy it is to go into hypnosis. Now, let's fill these chairs again. And this time, we'll do it for real and continue on with the show. Hmm. So I get and, – and, and a bunch of hands went up right after I said that. It was the same 12 girls. And they said, well, can we come up there again? And, and can we come back up there? And I said, well, normally I wouldn't allow that. But today I'll make an exception for you guys. Nice. Heck, they're already pre-hypnotized. Yeah. <laughs> so did a quick countdown, put them back in, did the rest of the show. After the show, the agent came up to me and said, you know, it was a great show. Um, but I was a little concerned, you know, when, you know, those volunteers all woke up and went back to the audience. And and he goes, I thought I thought you were done for by then. And I said, well, no, I do all my shows like that. 
<laughs> walked away. <laughs> and then uh, my dad took me out in the parking lot, hosed off my shorts, and we drove home. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there's a mindset. This actually just popped up. We were doing uh, one of the group sessions inside of Hypnotic Workers. The, the magician's theme, and not to give away any uh, trade secrets here, but the theme of multiple outs. Which, yes. to basically introduce the idea, it's where there is no brick wall where, oh my god, this went wrong. Where you can suddenly, you know, if you forgot where the card was, and suddenly you can't track down the card, what if you had a special pack of cards in your back pocket? You could then pull out and say, look, only one card is face down, and that's the one that you picked. Which may not have been the exact trick you had in mind, but... The audience member has never seen that presentation before. And I think too many people in hypnosis, you know, as they're learning, fall prey to this fear of the, what if I do something wrong? What if I miss one simple element? Which there is a simple confidence builder that it's brand new to the client. It's brand new to the audience, even to the participant as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't know what's going to happen. And quite honestly, that extra deck of cards you have in your pocket could be invisible for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, That's funny. To 18 reference. people. <laughs> yep. Yep. All the people that know what we're talking about, they're going to be laughing their butts off now. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's true. And, and you know, the audience doesn't know what you're going to do. And as Jerry Valley always said in his trainings, is that, you know, the audience doesn't know what you're going to do or what you're supposed to do. And there's nobody that knows more about hypnosis in that room than you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it's fake it till you make it. I had no idea where that statement came from when, when I was on stage and said, well, ladies, what you just witnessed was, you know, how easy it is to go into hypnosis, blah, blah, blah. I had no idea where that came from. I can only attribute it to, you know, just not panicking and just talking my way out of it. Yeah. Um, and not being afraid to make up something that they wouldn't know is made up anyways. Yeah, the the phrasing, I think I've heard it of, well, we'll do that again, and this time notice what's different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Which with exactly. that one, though, you can actually do the exact same presentation again, as you might have done there. Um, mm -hmm. If you remember, how different was what you launched into the second time? Yeah. What was it similar the first time through or uh, was it different? It the was time? well and, and really because I had I think I had probably about ten of the twelve girls that were the same girls from the first time. And honestly, you know, all I had to do was a real quick countdown. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, Now let's pick up where we left off, since most of you have been up here before. Take a nice deep breath in and I did a countdown I think from five to zero and that was it. The two new girls that came up they had already witnessed the whole thing, so I don't know if it was they were just mimicking the other behaviors, not saying that they were fakers, right, right. but I think they were sort of pre-hypnotized, and I gave the fairly you know, direct slash indirect suggestion that now you saw how easy it is to go into hypnosis, so they probably accepted that suggestion and went into hypnosis because I did end the show with all 12 volunteers. Nice. Yeah, so which was, you know, which as you know is kind of weird sometimes. Sometimes you get all 12, sometimes you you keep all of them, sometimes you don't. Um, but I fortunately kept all 12 that time. Beautiful. Beautiful. So then moving forward from that, uh how quickly did the hypnosis begin to let's say it as infiltrate your career of everything else you were then doing? Um that was instant. I yeah. mean, I knew I knew at that point that honestly, I I love magic 
I loved it at the time. I still love it now. I still have that same illusion as well as three or four other ones. Um, I now know that if I'm going to do an illusion show, um, they call it Grand Illusion for a reason because it's going to be several grand for me to get this thing out of my garage to do a <laughs> show. Um, um, and I'm going to charge a lot more for that because it's a 19-hour day. Right. So I, I know that setting up illusions is fun. I love doing it, but – I made the immediate commitment to spend most of my time marketing hypnosis shows at that point. Yeah. Um, just less to carry in. Um, just as good a pay or better pay in most cases. And, you know, less time set up, less time tear down, and tons more fun. Beautiful, beautiful. So then at what point did, because I know you also work and see clients as well, mm-hmm. uh, at what point did that enter into the conversation? You know, honestly, at the very same show, um, because two girls came up to me after the show and said, you know, I saw what you did to those girls up there. And you know how people say that, like, like I really had control over them. I saw what you did to those girls up there. Can you make us quit smoking? Mm-hmm. And again, their language was, you know, like I had all the power and I didn't. I said, well, I'm really not qualified to do that kind of hypnosis, but I know there's a couple people in Tucson that do that, you know. You know, look in the yellow pages, contact them because I know it can be very, very effective and quick to make that happen for you. And then I said, so we were driving back. My, my dad asked me, he goes, you know, so what, what's that all about? Why can't you just do that? And I said, well, I don't really feel that I'm qualified to do that. He goes, well, what does it take? I said, well, some additional training. And so he knows me well. And he said, uh, so when are you going to start doing that? Nice. I said, well, probably tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't long. I think I probably, I think I probably made it about six months uh, before I actually, you know, settled in and started that, you know, started the hypnotherapy certification classes and all that. And uh, so it, it happened almost instantly, really. Nice. Nice. So then at what yeah. point uh, nowadays then, how is it you spend most of your time? Um. It, it's it's an even mix for me, and it's somewhat seasonal um, for the markets that I work, and I work a lot in the high school market. Um, so the markets that I work, there's a decent amount of downtime from schools, such as like in the summer months, where I will then spend a lot of time concentrating on my clinical office. Um, during the weeks, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, I will spend a good deal of my time. I'm seeing clinical clients, um, except, you know, for the after prom and grad night season when I'm just traveling all over the place and then too exhausted during the middle of the weeks to see clients. So it, it's sort of cyclical and seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's if I had to do a mix, I would say probably 70 percent um, stage hypnosis, 30, well, 60 to 70 percent stage hypnosis, 30 to 40 percent clinical. Um, you know, it just it, it varies every year is a little different yeah and this is always the theme that pops up here how is it would you say that your your stage hypnosis experience has influenced your hypnotherapy work well and i make no bones in telling my clients my hypnotherapy clients that i am a stage hypnotist i think it's only fair that they should know that um so and at that time i can also 
Um, and I think it sort of impresses them, not that I'm out to impress them that way in an egotistical way, but I think it impresses them knowing that I can work with multiple people at the same time. So working with one person is probably really easy. And uh, I also let them know that what I do in the office is serious, not comical like what happens on the stage. And a lot of my clients actually will come to me because of my stage hypnosis shows. Yes. I do a pitch you know, to promote myself in my stage hypnosis show as a hypnotherapist. So I would get a lot of business that way. And, uh, you know, a lot of clients tell me they come to me for that reason because they know if I can do that to so many people at once, I could do this to them easily. I'd share that's probably that one sort of conversational hook that I found to be the most effective too, that, you know, early on before I could, uh, before I could influence the moment before they had an opportunity to influence the moment, there were some experiences where I'd have a client call and book with me and then they'd cancel when they found the other website. And that, that statement though of, well, understand you want to actually work with someone who has the skill and the experience of working with upwards of you know, at times 25 people on stage at once because the amount mm -hmm. of effort and skill it takes to maintain those 25 people as if they were 25 individuals. Well, at that point, when there's just one person in front of you in the office, do you think there's any concern about how easily it is to get into hypnosis? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's it's all how you present yourself and how you sell yourself. And, and, and I've I don't think I've ever lost a client to my knowledge anyways that found out I was a stage hypnotist and that freaked them out and scared them away. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think that's really ever happened, at least not that anybody's ever told me. Um, some people have, you know, found out about it before I have a consultation with them and they go, now you're not going to make me cluck like a chicken in here. And I said, well, I can, but that costs extra. <laughs> and, and, you know, I make a joke out of it. And so... There, you know, it diffuses the seriousness of their concern, and then I will address it seriously and say, no, I do those kinds of shows, but I don't even make people cluck like a chicken, bark like a dog, or sing like Elvis in the show. It's just too, it's just too silly. Um, and here, certainly, this is a serious part of the job, so um, none of that will happen in here. Somehow, I get away every single time by saying, you know, I'm not going to make you bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken unless that's what it takes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I really like that. That's, that's cool. I like that. That's <laughs> and, and they, well, then again, there's a lot of humor in the process here anyway. Mm -hmm. so, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. So then flipping it around to the other way then, how would you say the, the hypnotherapy training has helped to influence your stage show? Um, honestly, you know, handling with any ab reactions mm -hmm. or, you know, people on stage that might, you know, react adversely to a suggestion or feel uncomfortable. Um, not that we're ever going to do therapy on a stage. Um, you know, and in the training that I took and now I'm part of the staff on, you know, we always teach stage safety and how to deal with ab reactions, how to deal with hysterical reactions. Um, and so honestly, um, it's helped. I think it's just it's slowed me down in making me really concentrate more on what I'm doing, setting up the routines, wording the suggestions properly. Mm -hmm. Although my show is very highly scripted, um, but it helped me write those scripts that, you know, to, to set up a routine properly so that my success rate is greater than just I hope everybody kind of follows along. Right. Um, so that, that it's helped me with that. It slowed down my patter, if you will. Yeah. And made me more made me more aware and somewhat analytical of how I how I present the show. 
So maybe we could even rephrase that as a better sense of intention in terms of the words you're using, the uh, focus of what you're suggesting and how to actually phrase it to make sure you're getting that response. Absolutely. And, and you know, I rewrite about, oh, 25 to 30 percent of my show every year to keep it fresh, to keep it new, to add new routines. And so, you know, my show then is pretty constant throughout the year. I, I write a show every year and that's sort of my tour my show tour for the year, if you will. And so that allows me to, you know, that, that intentional and intentionality allows me to script out that new part of the show to get the maximum results. So I'm curious if there's a story that comes to mind, whether it was working with a client or even an experience on stage where there was some result that perhaps you hadn't expected and it surprised you. You know, that happened yesterday oh. <laughs> um, in the office. Um, I had a client come in and uh, as part of my induction process, um, after I get them into a what I would consider to be a fairly deep state of hypnosis, I like to test some levels. And of course, you know, one of the tests that, you know, a lot of hypnotists do is an eye lock or an eye catalepsy test. And I built that into my induction and I, I phrase it in such a way that I, uh, I even tell the client ahead of time before we start the process that at one point during this session, the hypnosis, I'm going to give them an opportunity to prove to themselves that they are in hypnosis, that they are in control. And I give the eye catalepsy patter. And by the time I get to the count of three, your eyes will be so tightly locked, so tightly glued, you will not be able to open them. So only when you're certain you cannot, then and only then go ahead and try sort of a double bind, you know, uh, creating that opportunity to fail. And this guy yesterday, he did not open his eyes, and then he started feeling around with his hands like somebody would in a dark room. So his eyes were not opened. He could not open them, and he was feeling around. He almost got out of the recliner to feel where he was at. Hmm. And I finally told him, I said, well, you can just relax now. Your eyes are no longer locked, closed. You can relax and go deeper now. And then he settled down. His hands just drifted back down to his sides. And But it was really, really cool. I've never seen a, a crazy profound reaction. And, and it went on for probably the better part of a minute. And uh, fortunately, I have that all on video. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's something to be said about and the mindset that I'd bring into those moments is that I'm sitting in the movie theater with you watching the movie with you. So the mm -hmm. more that I can step into that framework of you're the one creating it, the same way that you use the phrase to show yourself that you're still in control, it, it takes away that sting that some people would have that fear of, I'm not going to use those moments because it's a power movement. Oh, it's convincing the client of the power, but in many ways to let the client have that ability rather than us. Right, right. Yeah. And and that, you know, I, I have a protocol that I work through to get them even to that point to where they actually gain more control by being in hypnosis. Um, and it's not me controlling them. It's them controlling themselves and making the changes they want to make. So I put the whole onus on them really to make those changes. Um, my success rate has gone up exponentially since I've started doing that. And, you know, the nice part about that testing is, is now you can at least show them in level one drifting into level two hypnosis because of the eye catalepsy. And in 16 years, I probably have only had two clients open their eyes. And again, you talked about having the multiple outs. And the out for that is obviously 
well, very good. What you've just proved to yourself is that you are in control. Now close your eyes. This time I want you to create it so that you cannot. Right. And then you give them control on both sides, which is really cool because then they go, wow, I really, I really can do this. I can make things happen with my mind. In so many ways, that, that theme of just simply taking back control of those things that previously seemed out of control mm-hmm. um, has been kind of the hook of so much of what I've done in sessions in recent years that, you know, you're the one making this happen. And it's the addition of the pre-talk. I'm there. I've got their client forms in front of me. And, you know, some people have that concern that this might be some sort of loss of control. And I just physically hold up their document at that point and say, and instead, it's the opposite. Today, I'm going to help you to take back control of these things. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which that just hedges off so many of the misconceptions, fears, and shifts the expectation. I always work from the mindset that um, using these superpowers for good rather than evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you've got uh, a training that's coming. Well, sort of a training also convention. Tell us more about the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference. Well, my history with the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis uh, Seminar, and that's where I was trained originally. And then um, within a couple years, I started helping out on the staff, and then I became a full-fledged staff member with uh, Jerry Valley and Tommy V. And over the years, we've always wanted to you know, up our game, if you will. So this, uh, this conference that we're putting on is the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference as opposed to Seminar. And we have been working on it for more than a year now. The idea has been, you know, we conceptualized the idea a couple of years ago, and then we've just been trying to figure out the best way to present it. And instead of a seminar where we're teaching you how to hypnotize people and how to write routines and all that, we decided just to get the best of the best. I wanted to create a coalition of hypnotists who are actually practicing what they preach who were upstanding in character, both moral and on the stage and business character, um, people that were just not out there to, um, to make money from training others and hope they succeed. Um, but we wanted to work with people, instructors, hypnotists that were doing the work that they're saying that they were doing and that were also at the same time willing to share. And that sharing will, of course, help everybody grow in the long run and we've got one heck of a lined up and we modeled it after some other you know conferences out there because um, there are many great conferences out there hypno thoughts the national guild of hypnotist annual convention heartland hypnosis conference um, mid-america hypnosis conference so we sort of modeled it after the those being that it's two and a half days friday afternoon uh, everybody will check in and register at the seminar. We will do a panel discussion with all eight presenters. Um, Jerry Valley, Tommy V, and myself, we are actually, we're actually stepping down from the podium, so to speak. We're not going to be presenting other than maybe the first 15 minutes of the conference. Our role is going to be to facilitate the other presenters and facilitate the transitions, being the MCs and all that. Because um, we've got eight of the best, I believe, the best of the best out there. Um, Rich Guzzi. Uh, he does about 300 comedy club shows a year. Yeah. Um, William Mitchell does clean 
comedy hypnosis shows, prides himself on that. The shows are clean. He's also a Baptist pastor, which is probably why the shows are clean. Probably. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jim Wand, of course, uh, a fabulous hypnotist with a long history of doing hypnosis shows, as well as, uh, you know, an agency that books, you know, hundreds of hypnotists a year. Terry Stokes, uh, without a doubt. Um, and I talked to Terry the other day and I said, I hope you don't mind. I've, I've already kind of given you a new character, if you will. Um, I, he reminds me of the most interesting man from the Dos Equis commercial. I was about to say so, it as well. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, Terry Stokes, the most interesting hypnotist in the world. Uh, and, and I think he's the, the senior most, not necessarily in age, but has the most, uh, most experience in doing shows for the longest amount of time. Sean Michael Andrews, the world's fastest hypnotist. Um, we're giving him two minutes to present. And, uh, <laughs> I couldn't resist. You know, I've been to his I've been to his classes at HypnoThoughts Live, and you know, I always I always go up to him afterwards and say, if it's uh, if it's rapid hypnosis or instant hypnosis, why does it take you an hour to cover it? Um, Dan Candell, which is uh, he's an amazing amazing hypnotist and an, just an amazing marketer. Um, Marshall Silver. Um, the man, everything he touches turns to silver. Um, he corrected me the other day cause we did a webinar and I said, everything he touches turns to gold. He said, no, it turns to silver. I said, fabulous. Nice. So I love it. So Marshall's Marshall's going to be fantastic there and everything he touches turns to money. Uh, and then of course you, Jason, hey there. um, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about what you do for the hypnosis community and you know, all the stuff that you share all the stuff that you that you give away when you do a talk, when you do a training. Honestly, my business has grown because of you. So we wanted we wanted all these people there. We got them all. I'm not sure why y'all said yes to me uh, <laughs> when I asked you, but you know, I think we have brought together a conclave of truly the best of the best. I know there are others out there that could not come this year. And so we have room to grow. We have room to expand. Um, and, but I truly believe we've got the cream of the crop. Outstanding. And looking forward to uh, being there, of course, too. And I, I love the aspect of, again, you know, this, this switching up the model of very often with these conventions, you can pick and choose. I want to go to this. I want to go to that. But the really cool intimate experience of everybody's there together and it's the presenters that trade out right right everybody will get to see everything that's the other nice thing about it is everybody will get to see all eight presenters uh nobody will miss anything unless you get up to go to a potty break uh which we will have those built in for your for your comfort um we're also including some planned meals as well to um, model that modeling that after hypno thoughts live i think it's a very very nice touch in a way to honor those that have attended your conferences to feed them at least a, a nice big lunch during the saturday sunday and then we have a little light refreshments friday after the panel discussion sort of where all the presenters can do a meet and greet and just like you said network um my, my real vision for this is too is bringing in not just the best presenters but also those that are willing to learn those that are willing to check all egos at the door you know we're we're going to be on a first name basis here and this is just for us to hang out and for us to learn from each other and have a great time and walk away with some some nuggets that will you know help you to catapult your business to a new level Outstanding. And the uh, the details for that are over. I just looked up the URL, so I'm cheating here. Uh, stagehypnosisseminar.com forward slash conference. 
That is it. Yes. So that once again, it. stage hypnosis cinema. We'll link to that in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis. Uh, but again, that's stagehypnosisseminar.com forward slash conference. So you've got the convention, you're actively doing shows and seeing a whole bunch of clients. Uh, let's play the game of call the next shot. What is it that um, you're looking at improving upon in your, whether it's your hypnosis or even your business, your career, where do you see the next phase of all of this going for you? You know, it's interesting because um, as I get older, I kind of often wonder as I'm in the in the heat of the travel season and, you know, getting very, very physically tired sometimes and, you know, not sleeping for two or three days yeah. on end or only in a plane seat, which is very, very comfortable. Um, so I kind of think, you know, how much longer can I do this? I, I hope forever. I hope until I die. Um, honestly, I'm going to be restructuring my clinical practice uh, to get it to a point where one day I can do most of my clients via Skype or some other platform similar similar to that. Um, and the clients that I do see in person, um, very, very exclusive clients, high-end clients, uh, those that are really, really already have a great mental set and know that if I lock them in a room for four to six hours, we can make some serious change in their life. Um, and again, not entirely sure how that's going to all play out, but I have some ideas drafted up. Um, and then two, what I also do is I do some corporate speaking and I want to spend more time doing that because again, the platform is a larger audience and you can combine that by offering, you know, packages where you can do the presentation as well as the show, um, entertainment plus, um, uh, plus educational, so entertainment, and and then of course glean some of those high end clients from that group, as well. Absolutely, and it's that, it's that theme of thinking bigger with it, and the mindset that I love that's inside of that is all this stuff works. We just huh. have to do it. Yep, absolutely. It's that there's mind always over this, the, yeah, there's always this application of it has to be tested, it has to be experimented first. And to go into the moment of doing the actual presentation, and from that we learn, this is what works. This is what I need to modify. This is what I can mm -hmm. improve upon. You know, heck no, man. I never try anything out. I just, you know, it's for me, it's always the philosophy of ready, fire, aim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just going to go for it, you know. And, and I figure if somebody else has done it, then it'll probably just work itself out. Mm -hmm. um, if nobody else has done it before me, then um, heck, I'll be, I'll be labeled a trailblazer then. Um, I, love your, I love your catchphrase, you know, make it rain. And honestly, you know, the only, the only way people really make it rain is they dance until it rains. There you go. Um, so honestly, you got to go out there and dance. Jason Lynette here, and chances are you might be listening to this program uh, before March 2017, though these things often have a wonderful life of their own and listenership that extends far beyond the actual release date. So in the event you're listening to this before March 2017, let me share some upcoming opportunities, though of course, visit these websites anyway, because these are opportunities that will be happening elsewhere at other times and other locations at other years 
years. So wonderful opportunities coming your way no matter what. Uh, March 2017 is an excellent time to spend some time out in Las Vegas. We've got the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference, as Michael and I just discussed. You can learn more about that at stagehypnosisseminar.com forward slash conference. Stick around after that because Sean Michael Andrews and I will be presenting the Master Hypnotist Course, six days of accelerated hypnosis training. So for those of you that are brand new to hypnosis or those of you that are wanting to refine your skills and get even greater results with your clients and in your shows, check that out at masterhypnotistcourse.com. And then right afterwards, I'll mention an event that sounds so cool that I'm actually going to be there as a student taking this thing. Anthony Gailey, former uh, guest on this program, is going to be presenting his Corporate Hypnotist Masterclass also out in Las Vegas, directly after Sean and mine, uh, the Master Hypnotist course. You can learn more about that by going to corporatehypnotistmasterclass.com. Three great opportunities. Las Vegas is wonderful. It's affordable to fly to, uh, really affordable to stay at. I think we've all got hotel room blocks that are set up for these events as well, making it really easy. Uh, As a side note, I'd share it's shocking. My office is in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, I'm really more Springfield, Virginia, based on my location. And it's kind of incredible that we can put on an event in Las Vegas for uh, a lower expense than to do it in my own hometown. How about them apples? So again, check these events out, the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference, the Master Hypnotist Course, as well as the Corporate Hypnotist Masterclass. Get links, get details, head over to the show notes for this session over at worksmarthypnosis.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 